Open to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Yes. <laughs> I know, I memorized. Yes. It's a memory psalm. Psalm 103. <clears throat> uh, psalm 103 and 104 are kind of uh, twins. They go together. So we're going to do the both of them tonight. Uh, next time we get together, we're going to do Psalm 105 and 106, which are another set of twins. So I, like to, I don't like to break them up. <laughs> and then that ends this uh, next section in the Psalms, Psalm 106. So uh, a couple more, couple more uh, weeks we'll be together in this, and then we'll move on. So Psalm 103 is a praise psalm, a psalm of praise for God's mercies. And uh, boy... Do we need to praise him for his mercy? Amen. Psalm gives us a sense of David's growth and maturity in his relationship with God. You know, uh, it's uh, for David, he grew deeper in his awareness of his own sin. And when he did that, he developed a greater appreciation for God's mercy. You know, and so, and so it is with us. When we come to a place as we grow in our relationship with God and He reveals more and more to us of our own faults, our own sin, how much more we appreciate His mercy for us. You know, He who, he who uh, is forgiven much, uh, loves much, and is, we're much appreciative of God's mercy as we understand our sinfulness. And then as David grew older in years, he, has a, he had a stronger grasp on, on his own mortality. And I think that's something else that we can sort of relate to. You know, as we grow older, in, in years we understand that there's less and less time in front of us, more and more behind us. So, um, you know, it's something that just happens as, as we grow and as we mature. And God sort of speaks to us in different stages in our life. As we go through our years and, and we experience God more and more, sometimes we experience God in different ways uh, depending on where we're at in our life. So we have maybe a different perspective on, on things than we did in our youth or when we were first saved. So um, just shows, it just so shows that step by step, day by day, you know, developing, growing. Never wanting to remain stagnant, always wanting to grow in our relationship with God, even if He shows us difficult things as we uh, as we grow. So, um, it's already been alluded to that this psalm contains what I consider one of the most awesome memory passages in verses one through four. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives? all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's just an awesome four verses to memorize. Bless the Lord. So that's one that, that sticks in my mind. Um, and one of the themes of this psalm, which is worship, which is worship. So in verses um, <clears throat> 1 through 19, David is sort of calling 
uh, making a call for human worship of the one true God. And then in verses 20 through 22, he's sort of, he's, he's bringing in all of creation to that worship. So, so we'll see how that develops throughout the psalm. But in, fir- in uh, the first five verses, we're going we're gonna to read through first. Again, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So here we see the Hebrew word barak to bless. And actually in the Hebrew, it's expressive in, uh, in a way that uh, says we to kneel before him. So, you know, sometimes it's just, it's reverence, it's awe, it's worship. So not only do we bless the Lord, but we do it in a way where we, we, uh, we show him our respect that he deserves. So how do we bless the Lord? You know, we speak about his blessings all, all the time that he bestows upon us. How do we bless him? We bless the Lord when we praise him. He's blessed by our praise. We bless his name when we recognize that his name is above all other names and that none compare. See, when we put God in his rightful place on the throne and on the throne of our hearts, especially, he's blessed by that. And so that's, those are ways we bless him. We, we bless him when we recognize that he is above all others. None can compare to the one true God. And David does that in this, in this psalm. And then think about how we bless one another. You know, we bless one another when we bring gladness to one another. We bless one another when we do something that creates happiness or blessings in their lives. So it's always our mind is on others, and that's how we bless somebody else. Same thing with God. Our mind is, goes to him, it's focused on him. He's blessed by that. We bless the Lord when we recall the gifts that we receive from God. And some, and some of them we receive in this life, some of them we receive in eternity. But God bestows his blessings upon us, and we bless him when we understand that. We bless him when we recall those gifts and when we're grateful for those gifts. So David starts to mention some. He mentions forgiveness. You know, when we recall how good God is, how awesome he is to forgive our sin, and when we recognize our sinfulness, that blesses him. That blesses him. Our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so the Lord is blessed when we recognize that. His, when he heals us, everyone that's sitting here tonight has been healed of all of their diseases because they're sitting here. As long as we are here, God has healed us. But now, of course, he doesn't heal all of our diseases. And so it says in the psalm, he heals all our diseases. I think what the psalmist is saying there, he's trying to give us perspective. Yes, in this life, some of our diseases will be healed by the Lord. 
Certainly the biggest disease, sin, has been healed by Jesus Christ. But we don't recognize that. We don't receive the benefit of all of that until we're in eternity. And you know, in eternity, of course, the biggest disease, sin, there is no more. And certainly there is no sickness in heaven. So we see the faithfulness of God, you know, expressed in here on earth and then also in eternity. Deliverance from death. Certainly deliverance from the second death of separation from God in eternity. So because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we don't suffer that. He says there in verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, from the ultimate destruction, which is eternal separation from him. Infinite mercy and grace, his goodness and faithfulness are without measure. So another benefit we receive from the Lord that we bless him when we recognize that. And then physical sustenance, knowing that everything that we have, every good and perfect gift, it says in the Bible, comes from the Father above. So we know that everything that we have um, comes from God and that he's blessed when we recognize that. You know, when we, when we recognize everything that comes from God and we recognize that even the, the things that we sometimes are concerned about, God will take care of. You know, and then he, will, he, then he will bless us even more. In Matthew 6, another, another great uh, passage to uh, memorize, Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So we receive the blessings of God of, uh, you know, sustenance. And when, when we recognize that and we seek him first, we seek him first, he'll continue to bless us with that. And then we bless him because we're seeking him. We're focused on him. And then back to Psalm 103 in verses 6 through 12. It says, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our Iniquities, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. So we see here more reasons to praise the Lord. The first section was David's personal praise to the Lord. This next section is a call for corporate praise. And David goes through the attributes of God that are worthy and deserving of our praise. Verse 6. You know, although his mercy endures forever, the Bible says, there will be a final day of accounting to those who have rejected him and who don't believe, where God will righteously judge. So we see here that he executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So those, I think of those Christians 
Especially, especially in this day, listen, Christians were per, have been persecuted since the, since the beginning, but we see so much of it uh, t- today. We, we need to s- sort of search it out because it's not in the mainstream news, but Christians are persecuted all over the world today. But there will be that final day of accounting that God will execute righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And what, what reassurance that gives us and hopefully gives those who are undergoing oppression and persecution at even right now. Verses 10 through 12, the unbeliever will be judged, it says, according to their sins. As believers, we're not judged according to our sins because we've accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to as payment for the penalty of sin. We're not judged according to our sins. We're judged according to, in the light of Jesus' sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we see that. It says, For he he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, as a believer in Jesus God sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ when he looks at us. How awesome that is. Boy, is that reason to praise him. And then in verses 13 through 19, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to the children, to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So, We see here in verses 13 and 14 God's compassion for those who trust Him. And another example of that personal relationship, we know we we were singing uh, of Him as our Father. And it says in verse 13, as a father pities his children, the Lord pities those who fear Him. Really a better word there is He has compassion on us. He has compassion on us. And uh, how awesome that is. You know, it's like when we, when we discipline our, our children, you know, we, we do it, we know it's good for them, but we still, we have compassion on them. You know, we should, you know, as their, as their parents, as their father. In a physical sense, we see here that uh, God remembers, uh, remembers that we are but dust. So I, I think of that and I, re, I remember that in, as a, in a physical way, we are kind of made of the same elements that make up the dirt. So, you know, we're not anything fancy in a physical sense. In a spiritual sense, you know, I think of it the same way. Apart from God, we're just a lump of clay. You know, we're, we're you know, we can't really accomplish anything for God apart from His Spirit working in us. And so, God knows that. God has compassion on us, and he wants to do a work 
through us uh, in this world. In Isaiah, just to give us a picture, in Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. So again, that intimacy. You know, I remember doing a teaching on Jeremiah 18, the potter and the clay, and and just seeing that, that, you know, the potter just wrap his hands around the clay and just have that, you know, that that intimate relationship kind of with the the clay to form him, to, to mold him into what he wants him to be. And that's what God does with us. He remembers that we're, we're dust. Apart from him, we're nothing. Verses 15 and 16 says, We also praise God because in comparison to our short life, God's mercy endures forever. You know, I love the comparisons and the contrasts in the Psalms. So for, you know, the mercy of the Lord, it says in verse 17, is from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting to everlasting. So, so just mercy beyond our, our understanding. And then his reign is eternal also. So God is just, is, he's so awesome and he's worthy of our praise. And then verses 20 through 22, speaking now of, you know, we already have, he's already exhorted all humankind to worship the Lord. Now David is saying, listen, all of creation, all of creation really needs to uh, worship the Lord. So he says um, here in verses 20 through 22, Bless the Lord, you his angels, you who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. So now he's speaking of the angelic realm and uh, the heavenly creatures and and, uh, everything in heaven that worships him. Bless the Lord all his works. Now we talk about now we're talking about all of creation. You know that uh, you know it's said in the scriptures that if uh, you know that the stones would cry out in worship, you know that if we didn't. So it doesn't matter all of creation is uh, is is in thanks giving to to what he's done in in creation. In a figurative sense here, to, it demonstrates the totality of his worth. He's worthy of our praise. And he's worthy of the praise of all of creation. So, Psalm 104, it's kind of a continuation of Psalm 103. And it, like I said, it's a twin. Speaking of praise and his praiseworthiness. And this brings more intense detail to his praise. You know, as we bless him, as we praise him, we bring to mind all of his praiseworthiness, all of those reasons why he's worthy of our praise. So we're going we're gonna to go through verses uh, 1 through 9. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Starts off the same way. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a, like a curtain, he lays the, the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep 
as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. So, so you can see the majesty just in the, in the words of these verses. You can see the majesty of creation. And the psalm begins like the previous one, and, um, which is again why you know, most commentators say they, they should be recited or even sung as a pair. Um, verses 1 through 5 declare his worthiness in the creation of heavens and earth. So what I'm going to do here, because most of the psalm relates back to creation, I'm going to go back and forth to the Genesis account. The, these verses, verses 1 through 5, mirror the first two days of creation. So in Genesis 1, 1 through 8, we can see the, we can see the similarities here. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And so it was. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So we see in verses 1 through 9 of Psalm 104 sort of a similarity there. He speaks of, in verse 2, the heavens above the expanse of the water canopy that surrounded the earth at the time of creation. Verse 3 speaks of the clouds and the wind, which are in the expanse beneath the water canopy, sort of like our atmosphere. And then in verse 4, created the angelic realm to minister and praise him and to do his work in heaven and on earth. Verse 5, the creation of of the whole earth. And all of this is worthy of our praise. All of this is worthy. And we see verses 6 through 9 here representing day 2 of of creation in Genesis uh, 1, 9 through 10. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. So, Again, we see the oceans, the mountains, the valleys, the continents, all of creation here. You know, David is just going back over and recognizing God's power and majesty and his glory in creation and saying, bless the Lord, worship the Lord, for he is good, he is worthy of our praise. And then back to Psalm 104 in verses 10 through 18. Proclaiming God's faithfulness here. It says, He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. 
He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread with strength, which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds make their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats, and the cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. So we see here, God provides for all creation. Everything that's needed for his creation to flourish. So we, now we can see the similar account in Genesis 1, 11 to 13, day three of creation. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. So here we see David just going back over creation and seeing in, in verses 10 through 13, God, God gives water for, for, for the earth to flourish. Vegetation in verse 14 of the psalm. Food-producing plant life, trees, vines, and grain in verse 15. So we see God's care for his creation. Trees for the birds to build their nests in verses 16 through 17. And then cliffs as a covering and protection for the, for the animals in the wild in verse 18. So, you know, God just didn't create all things and kind of leave us to our own devices. He, he, he created all things and then provided everything that we needed to flourish in the earth. How awesome he is. How worthy of our praise. And um, in verses 19 through 23, and back to the psalm, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it's night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens, and man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. So we see here now day four of creation in Genesis 1, 14 through 19. It says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So we see here that uh, God created the light, 
uh, of course, the sun in the daytime to give us a great light. And, but he didn't leave the dark. I, what I love about it is because there's nocturnal animals, and he provided for them also. He didn't, he didn't leave them in pitch darkness. He provided stars and the moon to provide some light for them to also do what they needed to do to flourish on the earth. So God just cares. You know, the night creatures, I, I, I like this com- contrast too, when you think about it, the creatures of the night contrasted with man who was created, really, we were created to walk in the daylight. I know some of you, some of you probably have the midnight shift, and uh, I did that for a little while too. It feels kind of weird sleeping all day and then up at night. I think we're meant to be day creatures. And so, um, uh, you know, as humans, we have that. I think God did it for practical reasons, but I think he also does, does it um, symbolically because we're called to walk in the light, aren't we? As he is in the light. And so that's something that it's distinct from the rest of creation. You know, we're called to that special relationship with the Lord, and that's in the light. Um, Verses 24 through 26. It says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. There are there the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. So, a Leviathan is some type of sea creature. So, he's talking now about the creation of, uh, of more creatures of the earth. Day 5 of creation in Genesis 1 speaks of this. So, in verses 20 through 23, we see that. We see that same thing. Well, first in verses 14 through 16, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night and for signs and seasons and for days and years. And then in verse 20 through 23, it says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. You know, David said, Innumerable teeming things. So, you know, if you ever... I don't, I don't scuba dive. I know some of you do, but you go in and I've, I've seen pictures. You know, the innumerable teeming things that are in the sea, that, you know, the beauty that's there. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the water abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So again, Back to Genesis, we see David sort of running through the whole creation account and just saying, the Lord is worthy of our praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, because of what he's done. Worshiping him for his awesome power and wisdom in creation. You know, I I think about this, you know, as opposed to the idea that life came forth by some accidental force. We see order. We see beauty. We see purpose. We see the fact that God created all things and then provided for all things. 
You know, it's just, it's, it just, it, it's, it's silly to me to think that all of this just happened by result of some accident. We see a loving, caring, compassionate creator here in this, in this psalm and, and in the creation account. So then uh, the, the rest of the psalm here in verses 27 through 30, it says, They all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, and they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the earth. So God's divine care for his handiwork. And we refer back to Genesis 1, verses 24 through 31. And we see that care that God has. Um, go to verse... I'm just trying to see here. Okay, that was it. The sixth day. To every beast, in verse 30 of Genesis 1, and to all, to also to every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. So we see, again, God's hand. And, and so it was that God created everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God's glory, God's care, God's compassion. So then as we finish up the psalm, we just see a beautiful benediction, which is just another word for, for praise or worship to God, to bless him, that David just, after everything that he's detailed, in this psalm, as a reason to praise him, David just says, just, I just want to praise him one more time. And he gives us a beautiful benediction. So in verses 31 through 35, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So we see here in both of these Psalms just his praiseworthiness, reasons to praise him. And if, if we, lest we think, listen, if God cares for all of the beasts of the of the field and the fish in the sea and the birds of the air, how much more, the Bible says, does he care for us who have that special relationship with him? Let's pray. Father,